Welcome to Surfcast. Thank you for joining me. My guest today is Mo Isom. Now, you want to look Mo up on Google because you want to find out the books that she has written. You want to follow her on her website, and you surely want to hear what this lady has to say. She's a friend of Lee University, has been here on multiple occasions, and will be returning at some point when we are back in session. She also is a great voice. I call her a revivalist in our culture. Don't miss this conversation. We'll be right back with Mo. And we're back with Mo Isom. Mo, welcome again to Servcast. How are you doing today? Thank you. I'm doing pretty well. I am doing pretty well. I'm, I'm happy to be back on with you. Now, obviously, we are doing this in a lot of social distancing that's going on in our culture. So where are you talking to us from today? I am hunkered down at home right now. Um, we live just outside of the Atlanta area. Um, that's home base for us. So uh, yeah, home office hunkered down. We've we've been out and about though quite a bit and um, loving on people and and um, serving and, and spending time. I, I think people are kind of getting to the point where we we need one another. We need the body of Christ. So we've been um, careful and wise, but also not too cooped up around here. We've been sharing the gospel still. That's good stuff. And obviously, anybody who knows you knows that your sharing of the gospel is not filtered down. It is not watered down. It is legitimately <laughs> kind of in your face. So talk to me about when we say the gospel, what does Mo Isom mean by the word gospel? Oh, wow. Um, it is, uh, I guess, in the simple, quick elevator pitch, it is the complete yielding to uh, the lordship and the leadership of God through Jesus Christ alone. Um, I, I think so often we get kind of um, really comfortable with the gospel term as if it's a really comfortable, sweet, tender invitation. And um, man, it's, it's a picking up a cross. It's a dying to self. It's a life being lived on mission and for purpose, um, making the sacrifice of Christ on that cross worth it, um, and uh, not mocked in our days, but truly lived in fullness. So I think when I think of gospel, the first word, or at least in this season, the word that comes to my mind the most is just yielding. He has been so incredible, so faithful, so good, so powerful to redeem my story, brokenness and depression and promiscuity and anxiety and all of these things. He's so mighty to save. And in response to that save, that saving grace, um, man, my only response can be to yield, to give him my life fully and, and lead where, where he intends. So, um, yeah, it's, it's never a soft or gentle day around here, (laughs) but it's beautiful. It's beautiful living out his will and, and, Man, knowing that grace that changes everything and living like it, ma- it matters. That's, that's how we sort of function. One of the uh, ways that I introduced you, you didn't hear it, but one of the ways that I introduced you on the, uh, the front end of this conversation was, um, I believe you to be a revivalist, and probably most of the people that follow you think of you to be that way as well. You know, And I title that kind of a person that speaks the Word of God, obviously unashamedly. Um, how do you see your role? You've been involved in this kingdom work ever since you're transformation many years ago when you were in college and and how do you see this your your role currently in the kingdom of god and how do you stay committed to that role 
in the midst of all of the opposition. Now, we're seeing a great opportunity, but we're also seeing tremendous amount of opposition. How do you, what's your role now and how do you stay connected in that? Yeah, that's a great question. It's been, um, goodness, I feel like the past two years in some really profound ways have been some really painful pruning seasons that are so essential, the discipline of the Lord, the pruning away of what um, is not it and not of him. And I think one, one big thing I've really been learning is that really the trajectory of a true child of God, their life is not one of ascent, not one of this greater self-righteousness, this greater... Um, self-righteousness is the best word I can wrap around it. Like we so understand so much more and that so elevates us on this different pedestal. Actually the life of one walking in step with the spirit of God is, is um, one of pretty rhythmic and steady descent of humility and of submission and of the revelation of, wow, I thought I knew it a year ago and I, I didn't, I'm realizing I didn't know a thing. You know, I thought I was, I had it all figured out two months ago, and then he just revealed to me, man, this thing that needs to just be stripped off and pruned away, and it's humbling. It is humbling, but scripture says, humble yourself before the Lord, and he will lift you up, that we can bear fruit in keeping with repentance, that it is a consistent recognition of um, our need for him and a turning back to him that actually is the very thing that emboldens us and clarifies the call on our life and empowers us to fulfill that. And I feel like the past two years have really been a big season of um, pruning that's been painful, but it is birthed forth really a season where I feel right now there's actually kind of a prophetic mantle that um, is over my life in this time, seeing the word of God with new eyes, seeing depth of things I didn't see before, seeing kind of culturally, globally, even especially I would say over the body of Christ as a whole, over his bride. He breaks my heart for his bride. And I feel like he gives prophetic vision, or at least he has been in this most recent season that um, feels important. And I, I think we're in the midst of finding the words and finding the way to communicate a lot of what he wants his uh, church to know his ecclesia, his body. Um, and that's a different seat for me. I, I feel like it sort of started like when I first came to believe it was just evangelism. It was like, share the testimony, speech, share. Right. And now it's really grown into this actually kind of prophetic site. And I'm still learning how to wear that armor, you know, and learning how to see what I see, but then communicate in grace and truth and love and, you know, not hold back, but also not, um, not <laughs> annihilate people. <laughs> it's like yeah. just learning, learning to walk in what scripture says, we go from glory to glory, from strength to strength, like in deeper and deeper t- towards the heart of God and, and with greater, you know, um, insight with 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 greater entrustment the more he entrusts of us the more is required and so I feel like it's a a very prophetic season but I'm also trying to find my sea legs in the midst of that Um, it's interesting but it's beautiful and he cares deeply for his bride for his church and he has a lot 
um, we have a lot we need to sit down and press in and listen to the spirit of the Lord on because right. uh, he loves us. He loves us so much. What, what, tell me, Mo, because of our listeners that may not have a Christianese jargon or they might not understand right. religious terminology, right? What, what do you mean when you say pruning? Because for many of us, right, pruning is let me go out here and cut my bushes down because they're a little too tall, right? But, but what is the real, you know, the Gospel of John, that real idea of pruning of a believer? Talk to that. Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, I would put it in, I'll put it in as layman and like as simple terms as possible. So much of what I've been learning lately is like, as a parent as well, um, God disciplines those whom he loves and discipline is very different than punishment. I think we often associate any form of pain with just punishment, with, um, we, we see God through this wrong lens of when he starts to strip things away or when he starts to point sins out in our heart that we need to hand over and allow him to break off. When he starts to point out the areas in our life that we need to extend forgiveness or ask for forgiveness, when he starts to really do that hard, holy heart work, when he starts to call us to kind of radical faith that would require sacrifice, um, we often associate like any form of pain with like, this is punishment. I'm being punished, but punishment is not the same as discipline. Punishment is, you know, a a, a reprimand that leaves us ashamed and broken and feeling the weight and affliction of the, you know, repercussion that came upon us for what we did. But really discipline is, um, man, I think from the heart of a parent, it's, it, there's a firmness and a boldness to it of, of pointing out, of calling out, of calling up the one we love to see more clearly, to, to rise above what is so blinding us or confusing us or entangling us. He, he prunes and points out that which needs to go, but it is followed by the tender, loving counsel of a heavenly father, by the support, by the encouragement, by the edification, by the affirmation, all these things that we understand a good parent would do, obviously, hello, point out, let's get rid of the thing that is not what's best for you. But I know that hurt, baby. Let me, let me comfort you. Let me build you up. And in fact, let me give you more of what you do need that you may know life truly in strength and abundantly. And so pruning, at least what I've experienced from God in this season, man, he's been pointing out some things that have just been idols in my life. Mm. And that there's godly grief that comes with that, that breaks you. (laughs) It's like different than worldly grief. Like we feel bad. And so we just like, we grieve because it's going to cost us something like at the worldly flesh level. But true godly grief is like that our heart is really broken, that we didn't see that sin ourselves, that we lived, you know, proclaiming him yet doing X, Y, or Z, that we grieved the heart of the father. And and there's a breaking there, but man, you come to learn the scriptures so much more fully and in turning back to him and saying, God, I am so sorry, please take this from me, cover this by your blood. 
take this, remove this. He's so faithful. The joy comes in the morning. He pours out, he fills in those holes, those vacancies with his spirit that brings peace and truth and hope and life and forbearance and, and all that more of him can only stand to yield. And so um, I'm even looking outside my window right now at our garden. We've been in this house for about two years. And when we moved in, the people who sold it to us told us, oh, just wait, you'll just see the backyard just burst to life come spring. It's colorful. It's yada, yada. And then spring came and like really not much happened. Yeah. And we were so disappointed, but we were like, do we pull up these bushes? Do we get rid of this? Like nothing's happening here. But then in the dip season, we just kind of got to work pruning, realizing there were like dead branches and maybe it didn't need to be cut down, but certainly this chunk needed to go. And like in the off season, when nothing had any life on it, we just kind of pulled away what was dead or what was not, you know, not productive. And now I look out my window in our backyard this spring, like burst. I mean, wow wildness that just came to life and it was it's been such this beautiful physical picture to see because we've been navigating the very same in our own lives spiritually but then to just see it in the physical of oh that pruning away actually got rid of what was harmful for that that living thing and it actually allowed more fruit to be born and it's the very same of what he wants to do in our hearts and our lives to pull off what's harmful for us um, but then to pour out the nourishment we need so that true fruit can be born, good works in our life, real transformation. And it's, it's beautiful. Yeah. And I, and I'm listening to you and I'm thinking that obviously, you know, that whole pruning is in more of a preparedness state as you're talking about for the, for the sake right. of, you know, discipling and disciplining us to the place that we can be voices of God in a broken culture and in a world that's messed right. up. So many, right. many of us are, are aware that we're living in chaotic times. We're living in, Broken, you know, um, Bold Life Initiative is very committed to bringing, you know, words of clarity and words of understanding during the middle of this chaotic world. But one of our uh, major news networks uses this phrase often, and they talk about signs of the times. And so I also think there's an element of fear that's really moving through our culture. Can you speak to the idea of signs of the times and, and what does that mean for us from a biblical perspective and Mm -hmm. what do people really need to be putting their attention to um, as a lot of voices are coming to our culture from different um, sources? Yeah, great question. Um, I almost wish my husband were in the room as well because he sort of serves for our family and for our ministry team as as kind of a spiritual watchman. He's he's always um, been really gripped in interest and in passion um, in this very thing and watching the signs in the times and knowing that the good shepherd's always speaking, that there is God's always at work. He's always moving and he calls us to be of sober mind and aware, um, in the world, but not of it aware of, you know, what's taking place. I, I think we can gain such prophetic insight too, when we, um, are, are watching, but not watching like turning on every news channel and hearing the voice of man incessantly with all of its different opinions and insights and thoughts and new revelation, all of the, but watching with discernment and sober mindedness, sort of the full arc of what's taking place of what the conversation looks like, but more so than any of that, of finding our way to our knees in the quiet place in the hidden place of 
um, seeking the heart of God, of living in tune with the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5.25, if we live by the Spirit, we stay in step with the Spirit, of truly focusing first and foremost and above all on our intimacy with God, our intuitiveness to His Spirit, to His voice. Obviously, in in a degree of fellowship and community within the body, because God's really faithful to send words of confirmation and to stir similar things um, that can can bring confirmation or can even correct if we're kind of perceiving something that's maybe a little off. But man, it watchmen not only in the world, you know, cultural environment, but also deep in study of the word. Um, and deep in pursuit of the heart of God, listening to the voice of God and allowing him to do the very thing he says he'll do in leading us in the way we should go. The times are very dynamic right now. And the reality, whether we had this conversation 10 years ago or 20 or 30, we are only drawing every day nearer and nearer to right. the end times, nearer and nearer to the return of Christ. And so I think we see this camp of people who kind of the chaos and the craziness and the tension and the struggle and the hardship like catapults us away. We don't want to touch it. We don't want to like wrestle with it. We don't want to even seek God's heart on it. We just want comfort. We just want to pretend it's not what it is. And we just go so far on the, grace, love, peace side, uh, what scripture says is we actually just end up like whitewashing flimsy walls. Mm. Like we just want things to look pretty and feel better. Um, but that's as dangerous as the other side of the pendulum swing where everything, every word, every thought, every idea, every prophecy, everything we hear we take and hold to so tightly and it just becomes a, a, a mess in our mind. It is really the author of confusion. It is the enemy's voice who we allow to just cause fear to grip us. And we just become consumed in what if and how about and could this be and is that these are both great extremes that actually pull us away from the narrow way of walking in step with God, being sober-minded, watching the times, being realistic and aware, armoring up, strengthening up, um, but also not missing the rest and the truth in the fact that He is faithful and will lead us in the way... um, we are to go step mm. by step, season by season. And our call, our task really is not this self-preservative posture of either let me pretend nothing's happening or let me become so entrenched in my hole of my head stuck in the you know every media outlet possible saying a different thing. But really that our heads would be up. We would be looking to who needs to know the gospel of right. who needs to be pulled out of darkness of who needs to have the light of Christ shined into their life. We would continue forward on mission, but also be discerning and be wise and, um, be prayerful, deeply prayerful in the midst of it. And that prayer and that presence with him is the thing that no matter what is to come, no matter how things take shape, no matter what goes south or goes peaceful and prosperous for a while, no matter what comes, um, 
our intuitiveness with his spirit is the most important thing at the end of the day. It's the very promise of God for those who believe in him. It, It distinctly separates us from every other religion or ideology or cult or whatever it may be, the the one whom we serve is not just a God who leaves life to be a guessing game. He is the one who speaks back and who ministers to us and counsels us and um, gives vision and dreams and and, um, loves us, is always leading us in the way that we are to go. So again, in my heart, it all roots back to intimacy with God. If we, if we are truly seeking the heart of God, um, fear doesn't grip us and apathy doesn't grip us. We stay awake and alert and aware, right. uh, but also we walk with the joy of the Lord as our strength and we, we walk forward. Right. You know, we're, we live in a consumer driven, um, a consumer appetite world, Mo, and unfortunately prophecy sells, you know, um, a prophetic yeah. word, you know, uh, uh, whatever the case may be. And if the more, the more well-known the perceived prophet is, you know, the more, um, the consumers will will attach themselves to that particular word. I don't want to get too deep in that conversation because I'm sure there are plenty of voices that maybe some of us, for whatever reason, don't hear or don't listen to. I personally right. count you as a trusted voice, and you've used this term multiple occasions, um, prophetic vision. What do you think God is specifically saying to believers and to non-believers um, during this COVID-19 pandemic era in which we find ourselves? Wow. Um, well, thank you for for um, those words of encouragement. I find it is usually best when I'm very, um, I'm learning more and more the need to be slow to speak, quick to listen, um, and deep in prayer so as to um, speak rightly, you know. And I think I can most confidently speak into what I believe he is saying and doing and moving in the church. And I'll kind of speak from an, a zoomed out perspective. But a couple of years back, I had a dream that still stays with me um, in which I was on this big ship in the ocean and there was this huge pool on the ship. Um, and all of a sudden I'm, you know, at the, in the shallow end of the pool with my family, but I'm looking for my daughter my, my newborn at the time, Asher, who apparently like she was in a childcare element of this, you know, cruise ship type thing, but in an area away from me. And I remember looking for her and and needing to get to her, but suddenly looking up and the, the water in this pool was pulling back and rising up into just a colossal tsunami wave. And it was drawing nearer and nearer to us. And in the, the last like split moment, I simply heard dive under. And so I dove under the wave um, and came up. And when I came up, looked around and realized I, the vast majority had been washed off the ship. Mm. They were gone. Wow. And I suddenly am looking up and I see my husband and my daughter and there's, you know, my oldest daughter and there's this relief from this overwhelming thing that's just occurred. But then it's like, it struck my heart. Wait, where, where's my baby? Like, where's Asher? I didn't have her with me. Where is she? And I start, I remember, goodness, I get chill bumps now thinking about the, the tangible feeling in this dream, this agonizing, deep grief of where is my child and realizing in the dream, she too had been washed overboard. And it was interesting as I was, uh, and the the agony that came with that, you know, and 
I say that to say it was a little while after a friend of mine's father is really gifted in interpretation of dreams and, and, you know, I laid it all out for him with no interpretation of my own. I was kind of new to this whole vision dream. Like he speaks to us this way. What? Like I was not raised up in any of this, (laughs) but he broke down understanding of every single piece of the dream. And I'll never forget when he said, what is, what is your daughter's name again? I said, it's Asher. It's Hebrew. It means happy, favored, blessed. And he said, oh, and it was like it all clicked. And there was the revelation of this understanding that mm. the, the, the ship on this ocean represented the church, the people of God. Yeah. But there was a purifying wave coming. And not um, it was orchestrated by God. It was a purification of his church that was coming. And those in tune with the Holy Spirit would listen and hear and know the voice of the Lord and know how to respond. But those whom fill the church pews or who profess with their lips, but have not yielded their life or who so abuse the grace of God, those who profess were happy, favored, blessed, like the ashers are are washed off the ship. Mm. And it was the, the soul searing pain that I felt in that dream. I mean, waking up my heart physically beating out of my chest was just a taste, a touch of the heart of God, of how deeply he longs for his children, how, how deeply he longs that all would allow him to open their spiritual eyes would would truly repent and turn back to him, would realize, God, I need you. There is more here than this perversion of what we've made of the faith, this prosperity, and I have to use that word carefully, but this cultural Christianity that we think we pray prayer one time and then can live however we so please and that was our ticket. It's like, man, there's so much more to the gospel and he doesn't want to lose a single one. The Lord says he doesn't delight in the spiritual death of anyone, but he also is just, and he also um, hates sin. And so if sin is defiling his very body, his own church, he will purify that. Um, And that seems scary, but I I receive it as this incredible invitation to deep intimacy of saying, God, I want nothing more than to know your voice, to be in tune with you, ultimately to do your name glory, to, to, to be the church that you look at and see as the, as the very body of Christ for the world. Like, so I, I feel like my task in, in this time, since that time moving forward, has been calling the professed believers deeper, yeah. that we would truly allow him to sanctify us, to purify us. We would truly engage with him in this work of, of holiness that is the journey of our whole lives long living with him that he is using us and, and, you know, forming us into his image. And I don't want anyone to miss it. And I also don't want any non-believer to, to ever again be wounded 
by those who profess faith and live under the lordship of the enemy, who who proclaim it and then do such a disservice to the truth of Christ because of the way they live. And I did that for so long in my own life. I was the professed believer growing up, but in sexual sin and lying and stealing at times and just the mess of worldliness. Yeah. And I know there were many who I'm like, yeah, I'm a believer. I'm a Christian. And they like almost laughed and they're wounded. We're we're wounding the non-believers by professing a faith that doesn't look all that powerful, professing Mm. a God who isn't all that sovereign or, or mighty or good or just, um, by living a life that looks selfish, like we're hoarding up all we want in our own barns when there are people in desperate need around us. We right. we are not sharing the, the heart of God well to the lost and the broken and the least, and this grieves him. And so I would say in this time especially, I believe this is a season where there's a lot at hand. There are schemes of the enemy very much taking place, but let's not forget that God is very sovereign and allows what he intends so as to fulfill his will um, and is never knocked off his throne um, by any stretch of the imagination. And so I believe there's a lot of dynamic things at play right now in this season, but one we cannot miss as the church, as the professed body of Christ, is that he is pulled away every distraction, every idol, everything we've turned to or used to numb or every building we flock to rather than being the church ourselves, every powerless profession rather than living in the full empowerment of the Holy Spirit that we have functioned in. He's saying, be still and know that I am God. Repent and turn back to me. I have more for you for your good, but for my glory. Mm -hmm. And it's the real season of refinement of his church and a call to, to awaken, to spiritually awaken, to arise, to turn our hearts back to him, to allow him to, to sanctify us and to strip off what's only hindering us from the fullness of what he intends for our lives and the fullness of what he intends for the advancement of his kingdom here on earth as it, as it is in heaven. So for the believers, I would say, don't miss this season. If we enter in, if we leave the same as we entered in, we've missed what God is intending to do. Um, and I would say, man, for the non-believers in this season, Oh, I know many who are absolutely riddled and gripped by fear right now, who are, puppeted by um, the fear of man, who are puppeted by the unseen uh, fear that is just pressed around them and every voice is rising up, pressing the agenda of just puppeting the masses along. And I would say, man, there is a hope, I believe, that he longs for his creations to know a a strength, a resolve, a set apart spirit that he wants to pour out that, that all would receive who would turn and say by faith, I don't understand it. Maybe I don't get it, but, but this is not it. I'm being crushed under the weight of this. There's got to be more 
man, if we would be these set apart people shining that light, I believe the non-believers in this time who are so gripped by fear would see a strength and a resolve and a peace and a peculiar set apart nature to the true warriors for the kingdom of heaven. And they would come hungry to say, what is this that you know that I don't know? Like, how is it that you have this strength and this resolve when times seem so disorienting? How is it that you are not frantic about the economic state of what's happening right now, that you are sure of a different provider? Well, who provides for you, you know? And, um, man, I believe he wants the non-believers to see those who follow him completely set apart in, in boldness in this time and, um, to, to ask what, what it is, the hope that they have to reach out to in this time, cultivate conversation and, um, and that we would share the fullness of who God is and the full hope of what, what there is to come, whether this time looks bleak or improves or doesn't or whatever it may be. So just really dynamic. Again, that's kind of surface level scratching, but it's, it's important and it's very much at hand and I don't want anyone to miss it. I don't want anyone to miss it. What a shame if we missed even a breath, even a moment, one yeah. day in his courts. Like, what a shame. So I just want people to arise, to awaken, and and to um, awaken to the spiritual realities at hand and the hope that we have in light of that. Good stuff. And I think that might be scratching the surface, as you say. I don't know. I think it's pretty deep for those of us that, um, you know, maybe trapped or anyone who doesn't really understand this call to personal relationship and, and that repentance and conviction is part of the discipling process and not a destination or a goal. So uh, let me let me dig a little personal with you. You've never been afraid of personal questions. Um, sure. Let me dig a little personal with you here. You're a speaker who thrives or seems to thrive on the in-the-room opportunity, um, you know, standing in front, of a cl- in front of a crowd and enjoying that interaction. Um, mm-hmm. So how... Are you handling this social distancing business? That's part number one. Part number two, um, what are some stay-at-home strategies that you have um, implemented to continue to grow in your own faith during this time? Yeah, great question. It's actually been incredibly refining in light of the very thing that you just said. I think there's even been revelation for myself. I I do enjoy um, communicating I'm, I'm, I'm not afraid to get up on a stage and speak to thousands, you know, I, and you're good at it too, Mo, let's be honest. I I like, I believe it's a gift. I do believe it's a gift, but it's also, um, very easy to chase the highs of the giftings we have and fail and fall short in the consistency of what every single one of us are called to in discipleship, in the ability to pour into and share with even just one, with no cameras and no lights and no microphone, with the um, honoring of our spouse, with the pouring into our children, with the ability to truly sit still and invest in the ones right in front of you. Yeah. That, that aren't, it's not always the, the same degree of glamour, but I actually believe it carries even more spiritual significance. Um, and it's been a humbling season for, for me and that like right off the bat, literally everything we had lined up out in person was canceled. 
and, or postponed or, you know, whatever it may be. But suddenly we had several months clear out. And um, it was interesting because this part of me was like, oh, man, you know, this is our flow. And actually this bigger part of me was like, oh, yes, yes, <laughs> I can just be for yeah. a bit. And I don't know if I let that piece of me really speak up as often as I probably should have listened to that voice. Um, and what's been beautiful in this time is really just sitting still in a lot of ways with the Lord and allowing him to, to pull away a lot of pride and to remind me of the unseen that's of such value to the heart of God the unglamorous that he cares deeply about of loving our neighbor, our actual neighbor really well of being present for a grandmother who's in a memory care facility five minutes away. And you never go see her of serving parents of getting on the floor with our kids of submitting and honoring my husband. And, um, I've actually don't want things to go back to the way they were in an identical nature. Mm. I, I don't think any of us should. So many people are so hungry for a return to normal. What is normal? Like <laughs> I, I think that it's been such an incredible time of him, the distractions and the pace being literally halted to a stop. Yeah. And the room for him to speak. And often if we'll just give God the room to speak, I'll like start crying because it's been a really interesting season. <laughs> if we'll just give him the room to speak, the stuff he says will actually surprise us. It looks so different from what the world glorifies. And it looks so radical compared to what even the, the church has made of itself. Yeah. Um, what ministry and influence and yada yada has become. It's actually quite a bit of it is quite defiling to the heart of God. And, um, man, I, I, it's going to be interesting navigating in a lot of ways what it looks like going forward, um, knowing that that's still a gifting and it's still a great call and there's still room and time and place for it, but um, that there's a lot here he needed to heal and tend to and organize. And I honestly love it. I'm grateful for it. Mm-hmm. Um so, yeah, I, I don't know. I literally don't even know what tomorrow holds. We literally shifted everything we're doing ministerially. Yeah. <laughs> we internally, I mean, we just moved to a full support raised model. We have, gosh, we grieved and had to repent of the marketplace we'd even made of ministry because everyone else like does it this way, wow. right? You just kind of learn as you go and well, they do this and I guess they charge that and okay, if we're going to do, he's like, stripped it all off and called us in such bold faith. And he's been so faithful to provide our daily bread, but it, it also strips away the five-year plan. It strips away like the comfort and the structure that a lot of us had built for our lives. When he really says like, just follow me in faith and I will give you what you need each day. And, um, yeah, it's just, we're still in the midst of figuring it out, but he's really faithful and he's been nearer in this season than in many seasons. I've, um, walked through and I I would choose that over a stage in front of 50,000 people any day so Mm -hmm. that's a learning curve for us but it's um, oddly it's not a a season I'm like wishing away all that fast (laughs) I'm like 
Right. We're still learning a lot right now. So I don't know if that really answers that. I feel like I'm actually pouring out more of like my deep heart needs to yeah. <laughs> just speak yeah. to an adult face to face. I think it actually yeah. answers it, but I also think it gives us another view of the realness of who you are because, um, I mean, you're a competitive speaker in the sense that, you know, you can't take all the invitations that come, but yet you didn't let this shift in our culture um, silence you. You didn't sideline your voice. You kept talking, you kept sharing, you kept figuring out ways to get the good news into the ears and the eyes of people who need it. Um, Just, just for fun, because we've only got a couple of minutes left and, um, just for fun, what are you reading? Um, what's the last book you've read? What's uh, what? What have you been reading to to stay inspired yourself? Oh, I've like it's going to sound so cheesy, but I have just solely been in the Word of God. I I have three kids, four and under, and so um, the ability for additional downtime to, uh, <laughs> to to read additional stuff is is already tough. Um, yeah. So in the moment that I've had, it really has been an, a season of actually of no offense to other friends, other leaders of the faith, other incredibly profound people. It's actually been a season of just kind of um, silencing all the other voices around and really, really tuning into his, uh, again, it's why I said over the Watchmen piece, like we should have had my husband in here because I don't, I don't turn on the new, I don't get hyped up in listening to what every other person says. He actually functions in that way. in a in a great sense, because, um, I get too distracted. I, um, it, for me, really, it's truly been time in the Word of God, and actually, I've just been in Revelation quite a bit lately, um, as well as starting back in the beginning in Genesis. So, <laughs> right at the beginning and right at the end is where my <laughs> I, I've been kind of mutually drawn. But um, yeah, I would say most of the time has been spent in, in Genesis and in Revelation and, and piecing through those and understanding them in really fresh ways by the Spirit and and just listening to God um, more than putting my own mouth. So that's that. Sorry to any of my friends who wanted a book plug in that minute. I don't know. I have all these books (laughs) since all around, but um, I actually just finished writing as well. My third book that'll come out um, next year uh, called fully known an invitation to true intimacy with God. So (laughs) it's, we were like live writing everything that I was learning and um, yeah, just been deep in his word in this time. So if somebody wants to get a hold of you guys at Bold Life Initiative or Moism, how do they reach out to you? Sure. Well, certainly on Instagram, I pop on there quite a bit, Um, as well as at moism.com is we're we're progressively shifting that to to the ministry name. But right now it's still moism.com. And um, on there, they can reach out and connect um, through the social media handles that are linked on there through a form on, on one of the communication pages. But we also there have some great resources that are completely free that we would just urge anyone to, um, to click on, to move through. We have an eight part video curriculum, uh, called sex and Jesus. The conversations continued. It used to be something we like a product we sold and the Lord shot us down hard for that in this season. <laughs> so that was something that now is just freely available. And really anyone who is in this time hungry, 
hungering and thirsting for righteousness, but feeling the weight of sexual sin or confusion or, you know, struggles in that area. I mean, that's a really powerful resource. I would just point people towards to walk through healing and wholeness um, on that layer of things. So that's right there on moisom.com as well. But yeah, Instagram, moisom.com. You can email us through there or reach out a DM where we stay, try to stay connected through people, with people that way. Good stuff. Mo, it has been great to have you with us here in Surfcast, and I'm looking forward to your next time here at Lee University. Um, I think we're going to get you into the chapel sometime in the summer, and that's going to be a, be, a, be a great time with us. We hope, right? I hope so. We'll do it. <laughs> we can make it happen. We'll make it happen. I, I love uh, those listening here at Lee. I'm just delighted in my time with you guys and continue to hear from you all personally um, after we gather, and so it's just a treat, always a treat to, to talk with you guys and, and to partner this way. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. So, um, hey, guys, thank you for joining us today on Surfcast. As always, I remind you that we are made for more. We can be salt and light in a chaotic world who really needs the love of Jesus. And I think he depends on us every day to be his hands and feet. So get it done and get it done well. Thanks for tuning in to Surfcast with Dr. William Lamb. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Surfcast to stay updated on special guests and future episodes.